Jeevan, it's wonderful to have you here. It's possible that you can fix security vulnerabilities before you write a single line of code. So what I usually recommend for startups is um, as part of the design phase, just have some common security questions to first figure out, should we actually do the threat model? Um, Say if we have five things to review in a week, I much rather spend that time focusing on the one and two and spending way more time on those one and two if I know it has very sensitive information because I much make that system a lot stronger than the other ones that I know aren't as sensitive. So we do miss things as security engineers. We're human. All this happens, which is why defense in depth is really important just in general. So um, having having someone check, validate our work is is always important. So it's going to take us a lot longer to convince um, these potential clients that they should use our systems. Overall, like if we invest a little bit into the security and to the threat modeling side, those uh, high and critical vulnerabilities will slow down and we'll have fewer and fewer over time. Anything I build out, any program that I build out, I want to make sure it lasts even longer than I last at the organization. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into another episode of Scale to Zero. I'm Purshottam, co-founder and CTO of Cloudanix. For today's episode, we'll be focusing on threat modeling, how it should be used, what are the benefits of it, what are the challenges of it, and some areas around culture as well. Uh, to discuss on these topics, we have Jeevan Singh with us. Jeevan is the director of product security at Twilio, where he is sort of embedding security into all aspects of software development process. He is responsible for architecting security solutions, working with development teams to resolve security vulnerabilities, and building out security features in the product. He enjoys building security culture with organ- within organizations and educating the staff on security best practices. Jeevan, it's wonderful to have you here. Uh, thank you so much for taking your time and joining with us today. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to have a com- more conversations around threat modeling. I think it's somewhat uh, not as popular as it should be in the industry. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you here. So the way we do the uh, recording is we have two sections. The first section focuses on security questions. The second section is the more fun one, the rapid fire section. So let's start with the security questions. So generally, for any organization, uh, for any organization, security policies or privacy requirements or regulatory requirements, all of those uh, cannot be met without evaluating or mitigating a risk or threats, right? So. Uh, so that brings me to threat modeling, like which is one of the important parts of the design and development process. So to begin the conversation, can you explain what threat modeling is? Yeah, that, that's a great question to start off with. Um, and I, I want to say that like a lot of different individuals and organizations, they approach threat modeling different. And how I like to approach it is that threat modeling is asset centric. Mm-hmm. So. Um, when you have a design or a feature that you want to look at, you want to focus on what are the assets in this particular feature, and then you want to figure out what are the risks to those assets. Mm-hmm. It's very simple, just as simple as that. Um, and it should be, uh, the modeling process itself should be simple. Um, it should be very transparent, um, and it should also be democratized. Mm-hmm. Everyone that you join, um, that joins the threat modeling session, should have a voice and they should be able to provide their input. Uh, everyone comes with a different experience. They come with different 
career and educational backgrounds. So the more input we have, the better threat model that we get uh, in general. Okay, uh, that makes sense. So uh, let's say, yeah, um, I know the assets of the organization. Uh, how does the threat modeling work? Let's say the first part is figured out. Then yeah. how should organizations go about it? And why should they do? Uh, why should they even do it? Yeah, perfect. Um, uh, I'll start with the why should they do it. Uh, I like that question um, in, in general because um, threat modeling is the cheapest way that you will be able to fix vulnerabilities, especially if you do it right. So um, a lot of folks do threat modeling in the design phase. Mm -hmm. So as part of the SDLC, you have requirements designed then development, and then it gets released and uh, you have maintenance mode. So after the requirements, you do the design. Um, and it's possible that you can fix security vulnerabilities before you write a single line of code. Uh, so um, if you discover a security vulnerability after maybe you're doing a pen test mm -hmm. or worse off, uh, a threat actor actually finds a vulnerability in your system, it is very, very costly. Mm -hmm. uh, but threat modeling is done very early on when developers uh, have come up with design based on the requirements and you're reviewing the design. Does this make sense? How can an attacker actually um, take, take over your assets or have access to your assets? So when you do at that point, you just, all you have to do is re-envision the design. You make modification to the design and theoretically that's it. You're good to go. Um, so it's really cheap at that point to actually just change the architecture. Whereas after you've developed it, it could be months that you have developed it and then you have to re-architect it after that, that could be very costly in itself. Right. So that's the, the why should we do it? Um, let's talk a little bit about the how. Mm -hmm. So we talked a little bit about the process. Uh, you get it from requirements, then you get it to, to design. Um, and there are a bunch of steps within uh, threat modeling and OWASP has a lot of good resources around it. And what I usually, I usually simplify uh, what is out there. The first step is you want to be able to review the design. Um, it's important that developers, they document the design provide architectural doc, uh, documents, diagrams, so that you can actually understand what's going on. Um, and then you, what you want to do is you want to gather all of the right uh, subject matter ex experts with respect to that uh, system, get them into a room, and you want to find the threats. You know, Once you've uh, discovered some threats, you want to actually prioritize them. You want to make sure that you do it in, in the right order. Um, it doesn't make business sense to fix all of the vulnerabilities. So you want to prioritize uh, which order you want to do it. And then the next step is actually mitigate them. So some of them might be just design changes, but other of them might require more effort. Um, so maybe you've discovered uh, that there is no uh, TLS uh, within this uh, system. So there might require some more feature work uh, just in general. So you want to make sure that you actually go ahead and mitigate those things. Uh, another part, important part of threat modeling is reflecting after you've done the threat model, making sure that everyone is sort of satisfied. Did we do a good enough job here? Um, you don't have to have a consensus. Not everyone has to agree. Yeah. But if uh, the vast majority think they've done a good enough job, that, that's good enough. Then you know that you've done a decent job for threat modeling. Okay. So there are a few things that you highlighted are very important. The first and um, most important one is the cheapest way of uh, resolving vulnerabilities, right? Because most organizations, uh, let's say after an attack has happened, are scrambling to uh, fix the vulnerability. Something which happened to, let's say, with the log for shell, right? Uh, or 
um, are not do not have a proper process in place, so they are scrambling to figure out, and that costs organizations, right? And the other thing that you highlighted is the uh, consensus. Like you do the design review, you um, then uh, sort of mitigate or prioritize, uh, prioritize and mitigate, and then most of, if majority of the stakeholders agree, then maybe that's good enough. You cannot satisfy everyone, right? In that. Uh, I, I like uh, those points. Um, so let's say for a early stage company, uh, if they are trying to implement threat modeling programs, um, of course, we understand that for bigger organizations, they can afford, they have time and money to do all of this. For smaller uh, organizations, uh, which area should, should they cover and which areas maybe are not mandatory to be covered as part of this exercise? Oh, this is a great question. Um, so I've been fortunate enough to be at a few startups where, um, and you run into so many different type of challenges because one, your security engineer might be involved with 14 projects and maybe they have a lot of threat models that come in and you have to prioritize which threat models that you actually can mm -hmm. do. You can't do all of the things. So what I usually recommend for startups is um, as part of the design phase, just have some common security questions to first figure out, should we actually do the threat model? Um, maybe if you, there's a concept of a paved path within uh, uh, engineering, where if you follow the paved path, um, that's where I, as a security engineer, I want to spend most of my time securing the paved path. And these are the common type of tools that we use to deploy uh, to production. Mm -hmm. um, and if we're all using it and we secure it, then we know that 80% of the business is fine. So if, if, if the, the engineer is using the pay path, then maybe it's not as important to actually review it. Or if they're using the pay path and it's not sensitive information, PHI, mm -hmm. credit card information, that sort of stuff. So um, uh, what I typically recommend is that during the design phase, have those security questions, but also pause. Pause and just ask yourself, uh, what are some of the bad things that can happen? Um, so some a lot of these startups don't have security engineers, um, but they will have engineers that do care about security. And I, I want to make sure that, so if it's a 10-person, 25-person, 50-person startup, they may be not able to afford a security engineer, ask those security questions uh, as part of it, and then just think about what are some of the bad things that can happen. And not everything... I always like to point back to having strong security, it just means you have good engineering. So it, it's just a, another engineering practice. So, and similar to like the SRE folks as mm -hmm. well, if you have strong reliability um, practices, it's just good engineering. So asking those questions, asking reliability questions, asking security questions, and just pausing and thinking about the design, mm -hmm. it will greatly help you down the path. Um, when you do uh, have a security engineer that you've hired, mm -hmm. the security engineer will review those designs and see, okay, what questions are answered? Um, and does it make sense for me to prioritize my efforts to re uh, review these things? So um, even at larger companies, we still have to do prioritizations. Mm -hmm. We have hundreds of requests coming in uh, a month. And what we do is we, we, look, we look at it, okay, are you using the pay path? Yeah. Um, you're using the pay path. You don't have very critical, sensitive information. It's okay. Just make sure you're doing the right thing. Um, whereas, okay, uh, you're not using pay path, or um, you are. You have sense. You're using the pay path, but you have sensitive information. 
I want to have a look. So um, it doesn't matter if you are a, a small security team or a very large one, we still have to prioritize our uh, threat mm -hmm. models. So we want to make sure that we spend the time uh, looking at the ones that make a bigger impact to the business. Mm. I, I like few things again that you highlighted, right? One is asking that question, does it even apply to us? Like, do we need to do threat modeling, which not many organizations do, right? Particularly when you are starting up and you have a very tight budget or you have a small team. Everybody thinks that, yeah, everybody is doing threat modeling. Let's say uh, an enterprise is doing threat modeling. We should also do, right? That should not be the approach. Rather, ask that question. And the other thing that you highlighted is uh, asking the security questions. If you do not have a security team, it's even more important that you ask those questions to the engineers so that you can yeah. prioritize whether you what areas to focus and then uh, document so that when you hire a security engineer, they can take uh, action based on that documentation. Totally agree. And on the first part, I want to double down on it as well uh, a little bit because we get a certain amount of, uh, uh, say, if we have five things to review in a week, I much rather spend that time focusing on the one and two and spending way more time on those one and two if I know it's, it has very sensitive information because mm -hmm. I much make that system a lot stronger than the other ones that I know aren't as sensitive. So, yeah. like, uh, yeah, so if I had five hours, I'm going to spend those five hours on those two items rather than spend one hour for everything. I'd much rather focus on those uh, more sensitive areas. Yeah. Like prioritize the right uh, task, which has the highest impact rather than exactly. spreading yourself through all the tasks and not being able to complete even one or provide enough, uh, like have enough impact on all of those areas, right? Uh, You're speaking my language. It's a risk-based <laughs> approach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I totally agree. So let's say I have a follow-up question on this. Let's say we have one security engineer and uh, we do the design uh, and we have a solution in place. How do we validate that the whatever we have followed makes sense is right for our organization? Yeah, um, I'm going to actually ask a clarifying question. Do you mean validate as in did the organization follow through or do you mean validate that the security engineer made the right decision? Now I, I want to ask you both the questions. <laughs> Actually, I just had the first one in mind that how do organizations yeah. validate that they are following the right practices. But if you can highlight uh, on both the areas, that would be lovely. Okay, we'll start with did the security engineer make the right decision? Um, and they may or may not, and it's okay. Um, what security is a lot about is balance um, and making sure that we're balancing business needs versus security needs. So. The more the most secure system that we can have is the one that's not even on the internet. Mm -hmm. But a lot of us uh, we live on the internet and we have to sell our businesses on the internet, so we have to be on there. And there's going to be a risk to having our information there. Mm -hmm. So um, what I like doing is working with uh, strong engineers and coming up. We'll come up with some guidelines as part of our threat modeling process. We'll come up with some mitigations, some controls that we recommend. Mm -hmm and working directly with them and saying, okay, which one are these properly feasible? And does it bring the risk down enough for us to be able to feel that we're, we're happy about it as a security team as well? So um, really establishing those partnerships with engineering is critical as part of the threat modeling process. Okay. 
So uh, that's part one. Uh, part two, um, there are, sometimes uh, the security engineering team is smaller, mm -hmm. so that you don't have the time to validate. But what I like to do is, especially for critically sensitive information, um, uh, uh, this conversation reminds me of the time where we were refactoring our authentication service. So as part of the threat modeling process, one of the things that we do is we make assumptions. Mm -hmm. We assume that uh, the threat actor can't get do this or they can't do that. So um, we have a strong document uh, that comes out of threat modeling. And what I like to do in for those critically sensitive areas, I like to hire pen testing organizations and say, here's our threat model. Can you validate that our assumptions are correct? Can you make sure that you can't get into these particular systems? And the more information you provide them, the better validation that you can have as well. So I always enjoy doing it that way so that uh, it, it's not just my perspective and my assumptions that I make. I have bring in a third party or we can have a offensively gifted security engineer mm -hmm. go in and validate the assumptions just in general. So there's a bunch of different ways that you can actually approach that uh, particular challenge. Uh, I love your approach in this, right? Uh, for uh, particularly around pen testing, because generally what organizations do is they do a pen test of the whole system. Uh, of course, that has its benefits. I'm not saying no to that. Yes. But particularly asking them to focus on the assumptions that you have made and double down on that, uh, that helps you in a way, uh, sort of asking them to focus on one area, which maybe you are not 100% confident on, and they can give you any vulnerabilities around that or any attack paths that you might have missed so that you can prioritize them and address them rather than looking at the pen test report of the entire system, maybe. Exactly. And you're right. We do miss things as security engineers. We're human. Yeah. All this happens, which is why defense in depth is really important just in general. So um, having, having someone check, validate our work is, is always important. So yeah, I, I really, really appreciate when we can bring in vendors. Obviously, we can't do it all the time, but it's for those critically sensitive areas that we are refactoring or building out that we want to partner with our vendors and make sure that they can validate that we're doing the right thing. Makes sense. Uh, so I have one follow-up question on this. So most organizations follow some sort of uh, software development lifecycle, right? To build high-quality software. When it comes to threat modeling, when do you think, like, what's the right time to... Uh, work on threat modeling in a STLC process. Yeah, I, I, will, uh, I will always say always is the right time, <laughs> but uh, the best time uh, is uh, you want to do it in the design uh, stage. So I, I always say always is a good time because we know in reality, security uh, resources are constrained. So. Um, if you are putting out software and if I have the opportunity to actually threat model, even after it's uh, in production, mm -hmm. we might gain some benefit reviewing things after the fact and seeing if we need to uh, change things. But um, but again, I always like to push it to the design phase in itself. So if we are able to do it in the design phase, um, then it's really, really cheap uh, for the organization. So one other thing that I want to point out is that... Uh, and one of the one practices that we've come across that work really well is teaching our developers how to do threat modeling. So we've done that uh, 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 
with a good chunk of engineers. I, I remember um, a couple of years ago, I trained about 120 myself uh, as a part of the process. And it was quite impressive. I, it was an experiment. We didn't know if it's going to work or not, but I was very impressed with the results because the developers themselves were way better at threat modeling than the security engineers. So that seems kind of weird because yeah. I would, I come in, I have many years of uh, threat modeling experience. How can a developer be better at, <laughs> than me? So what we've learned is that developers, um, they, they understand security. Once you train them to think about security, they understand security and they have a very deep knowledge on their system. So something that may take me days, uh, maybe weeks to discover within their system uh, vulnerability, they already know. They know their systems inside out very well. So uh, we would go into these threat models and developers would be discovering these vulnerabilities that we could not even think about because, or didn't even know the type of questions to ask about it. So um, partnering with them and discovering these vulnerabilities, we're really able to remediate a lot of the major issues uh, in, in itself. So um, it, it was a great experiment. Mm -hmm. It went really well. And we're looking at sort of scaling it at a much larger level at uh, Twilio itself. Uh, I might copy that, honestly, because uh, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? It's somewhat similar to how uh, like earlier in engineering practices, dev and QA used to be very separate functions, right? And yes. then came the TDD where developers started writing tests. So in a way, developers know about what are the areas that need to be QA'd or tested. So I, I totally uh, love what you have done and uh, the yeah. value it might bring yeah. long-term, right? Of course, in short-term, yeah. It may not help a lot, but long term, it's uh, it would be amazing. I can see that. You completely nailed it. And that's how we approached it as well. We know that late 90s, early 2000s, there was that shift from the developers who would throw their code over the wall to the QA team, completely separate, no communication mm -hmm. there. Once you brought those silos down, once there was a lot more communication between those teams, the overall quality of the software went considerably higher. And we feel that this sort of evolution is happening on the security side as well. Engineers have to be responsible for the security of their feature. They're the ones that own the risk. We don't as security professionals. As security professionals, it's our job to bubble up the risk and say, these are the things that you should be concerned with. But ultimately, the security of the system belongs to the engineering org. So breaking down those silos, teaching them how to discover vulnerabilities as a part of their own system it will really allow your businesses to scale when it comes to security as well. Yeah, um, makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I want to uh, sort of talk about threat modeling, of course, but in a slightly different way. Let's say uh, we talked about what threat modeling is, the practice and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, when it comes to threat modeling, the uh, you have to work with many teams and senior leadership is one of those uh, teams, right? And you you have to have budget, you have to have team members so that you can do the threat modeling. And often what happens is security is not always a priority uh, for small or mid-sized organizations. And that impacts the budget. And uh, security teams get less budget compared to engineering, right? 
So how should organizations deal with these types of challenges, uh, particularly in terms of budget, um, so that they can do their job in a way? Fantastic question. Um, and I know that I've uh, experienced this a lot of times in my career as well. Uh, there's a few approaches to this. Um, one is we want to work with the executives, our engineering leadership, to make sure that they understand why security is important. Um, and, and if they don't really understand that, you might be in a wrong organization. Uh, I, I always have that uh, hard uh, discussion with folks, my peers and other companies that are really struggling with it. But uh, I've noticed a lot, especially in the last decade, as uh, prominent uh, hacks have happened, the execs, they get it. They get how important security is. So they understand that there is a workflow that, um, that we should follow when it comes to security practices. So I usually invest a lot of time trying to influence the leadership side, saying that we should invest into security, mostly because it is going to reduce the amount of time you have to spend on security. So when I go back to threat modeling, we're discovering things as part of the design phase. It's really cheap. So spending an hour, two hours working on a design that may take quarters to actually implement, uh, it, the investment in itself is quite minimal. Uh, so it makes sense to do that. But additionally, um, if you get uh, a breach, if you get hacked, the amount of cost associated that, with that is uh, going to be very, very high. So I've been at organizations where we had an incident and the costs are high because now you're diverting a lot of resources from that feature work that you were working on onto do reactive security work. Um, and that, that, that in itself, now you're diverting engineering resources, enterprise resources, security resources to all focus on that. So that has an additional cost. If we were just a little bit proactive, it would have been able to allow us to um, ensure that we sort of mitigate some of those potential problems. So security is very, very cheap in that uh, perspective. So uh, really, really hammer that uh, home that it is cheap to do it that way. Okay, uh, that makes sense. So you highlighted cost, like cost to the company as one of the biggest advantages. Let's say you are pitching to your execs or your senior leadership. What are maybe two other advantages that you would like to highlight? Um, specifically, yeah, I always, I always go back to the cost. Uh, so okay. one of the costs is like we have bug bounty uh, pen testing uh, that is happening. So we actually have actual costs that we can actually show them and say, Hey, if we were to threat model these critical and high vulnerabilities, they come with actual dollar value that we have to pay security researchers or vending uh, pen testing vendor partnerships. So it, it is very, very costly that way. And we want to reduce it. But I also want to flip it a little bit because uh, a lot of the process, um, a lot of the slowdown as part of the um, selling process. So. A lot of our enterprise customers, they want to make sure that we have a very strong security posture. Well, if we have a number of critical and high vulnerabilities that come in through our pen tests, these, and we want to share those executive summaries, it's going to take us a lot longer to convince um, these potential clients that they should use our systems. Mm -hmm. So overall, like if we invest a little bit into the security and to the threat modeling side, 
those uh, high and critical vulnerabilities will slow down and we'll have fewer and fewer over time. But it will also help the velocity of us selling our software uh, to our potential clients as well. So there's a bunch of different ways, but you always want to relate it back to the business because ultimately um, the executives understand uh, dollars and cents. And we want to make sure that we point back to why why it's important for them to really invest into it. Yeah. So uh, in a way, no matter what uh, advantage we uh, like you show, that all comes down to the cost to the organization, right? Either you are paying to exactly. the pen te external pen testers or bug bounty, uh, or you are losing business, let's say, if you do not have a yeah. solid security posture. Uh, so yeah, cost definitely would resonate with uh, execs as well, right? Uh, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, so the last question that I have is, so you have worked with several organizations and you have uh, worked on the security programs. Do you think security is more of a uh, bottom-up uh, based approach, or it should be a top-down approach? Or if you have any examples, oh. that would uh, that would be lovely. Absolutely love this question. Um, yeah, and the answer is both, uh, actually. <laughs> so um, you have to have that top-down influence to make sure that the organization that you're working at actually cares about security. You can't. You can't convince executives that don't care about security to now care about security. Um, so that's always a challenge. Unless there's a breach, mm -hmm. uh, they're not going to care. So you really need to make sure that they have already bought in uh, before you actually even join the organization. But the execs are not the ones writing code and deploying it. Uh, so you actually have to work with uh, the engineers and managers to build a build a culture of security. Uh, they should want to care about security. We talked a little bit earlier that strong security is just strong engineering. Um, and engineers are very proud of the type of work that they put uh, into production. I would know. I was an engineer uh, before I joined the security side. So I care deeply on the high level of quality uh, that of code that I shipped and my team ships. So um, you do have to have that bottom-up approach and convince uh, engineers that this is just a very regular um, item that we need to do. But engineers are not going to, uh, they need that guidance from Thanks. their execs before that they can invest in it. Because you have product managers, you have their engineering managers, you have other people, clients. Um, all these people are, uh, uh, they're all trying to get attention of the individual engineers to make sure that we are doing, that they're doing what all of us, all of us stakeholders want them mm -hmm. to do. So you need to make sure you have the buy-in from the executive leadership in order to make sure that they have time to actually focus on the security aspect of things. Yeah, I I love your answer in this because uh, most of the uh, times uh, it's either or. It feels like either or. Either your yes. execs are saying that, hey, we need to be secure. Uh, and then engineers maybe are not that passionate about it or your engineers are uh, very much interested in building a secure system but they do not get support from the execs or the senior leadership and they lose lose that uh, interest right slowly so having the uh, sort of push from both the sides would help organizations to build a security culture so yeah i i love that yeah building security culture is hard it is really hard i've done it at a few organizations and if you have that uh it's sort of like a wind at your back. If the execs already care about uh, security, mm -hmm. 
automatically everyone slowly starts caring about security as well. Yeah, uh, makes makes a lot of sense. Um, and uh, that that's a great way to end the security questions uh, section as well. Thank you for sharing your thoughts uh, on threat modeling, on the culture, and uh, I hope our viewers uh, uh, will learn something uh, from this. Here are um, a few important points that I could gather from the conversation. The first one is threat modeling is the most like cost-effective way to improve security, and it helps in avoiding future costs incurred, like through bug bounties or breaches or pen testing. Second one is while prioritizing threat modeling areas, instead of boiling the ocean, focus on the most important assets, the critical assets, and their exploitability. Third point is security is always a, should always be a joint collaboration between the execs and the engineers. Execs need to influence and support the engineers so that they can build a strong security system. Uh, the last one is train your engineers on threat modeling and ask security questions. It helps in building a strong security foundation. Um, now let's go to the rapid fire section. Uh, uh, the first question in that is a one-liner code that keeps you going. Oh, well, um, okay, I think I have a good one for this. Uh, a long, long time ago when I was in elementary, my grade four teacher um, always stated, anything worth doing is worth doing well. So if you're going to put your effort into doing something, put your effort to do, actually do it well and you know, do it uh, all the way, completely uh, do it. So I've really taken that um, back uh, for uh, my security work as well. Anything I build out, any program that I build out, I want to make sure it lasts even longer than I last at an organization. Yeah, and that that shows in the answers that you have given to the security question. So I, I can totally understand. Uh, the next question is, what's the biggest misconception you have heard in cybersecurity? Yeah, um, I, that, that's a good one too. Um, I, I know a good one. Um, yesterday, uh, I was talking to someone that was thinking about joining, uh, want to learn more about uh, information security and how to join the industry. And he was worried because he has a non-technical background. So he came with a linguistic background. And what I, and he's like, is there even an opportunity? And I'm like, some of the best engineers that I've worked with come from a non-traditional background. Um, so uh, I really encouraged him. I know that he, you'll have to, obviously, you have to become technical if you want to be a part of security engineering org. So it's really important that we embrace uh, the differences, the different backgrounds, different education, different uh, uh, career paths. Mm -hmm. Uh, that when we join security, because we all look at the problem very differently. Um, uh, one of uh, the people on my team, he comes with a philosophy degree, and I love talking to him, and he really approaches security differently, and he can see things that I can't see uh, just because of the background exactly. that I have. So you bring in sort of a different perspective uh, to the work, right? Because generally engineers, exactly. we have a way of thinking, but if we have somebody who is non, from a non-engineer background, they might think from a different perspective as well. So yeah, that, that makes a yeah. lot of sense as well. It definitely on the education side, but also like, uh, like having very gender diverse uh, and different races and 
we want to make sure we have a very ultimately a very diverse set of individuals working on security because again if we all have people that um, go through the same schooling and look like me <laughs> we're going to have really bad threat models <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can totally uh, relate to that <laughs> so the last question that i have is what advice would you give to your 25 year old self starting in security ah oh, that's a good one i think um the biggest thing that i was afraid of um when i was younger was failure so uh, i what i would uh, definitely educate myself would be don't be afraid to fail um and i was always afraid to uh, voice my opinions cuz it might be wrong and it might look bad but i felt that i learned the most when i wasn't right so people would educate me or i would go down the wrong path and then i would never make that mistake again in my career so uh, what i definitely would tell myself uh when i was younger is don't be afraid to fail speak up if you're wrong it's okay you'll learn you'll grow from that experience um and like you'll grow much faster when you speak up uh yeah fear of failure or fear of being uh, wrong a uh, fear of being called out right that hey what are yes. you talking about uh that sort of holds a lot of people back uh so yeah i totally love that uh and that's a great way to learn new things right from others from other backgrounds other cultures or other races as well so yeah thank you so much for sharing that um so yeah it was a fun conversation i learned a lot around threat modeling and culture as well i have something i am going to copy from you the experiment that you ran uh so thank you so much for joining and sharing your knowledge with us yeah no problem at all i will point out that we actually open sourced uh, a lot of the uh, training that we did for threat modeling so if you search for that uh jeevan singh self service threat modeling you might be able to find that but the community is small um and the community gave me so much when i was starting to learn if anyone ever has questions hit me up on linkedin ask me questions i'll make sure that i answer your questions i'll make time for you cuz there are a lot of random people in my life that gave me help and support i want to be able to do that for the community as well oh thank you for offering that and we'll make sure to tag uh, the a uh, content that you just shared so that others can learn and also they can uh, reach out to you if they need uh, guidance and uh, knowledge from you as well perfect uh and i i want to thank our uh, audience as well hope you have learned something new if you have any questions around security share those at scale2zero.com we'll get those answered by an expert in the security space see you in the next episode thank you even longer than I last at the organization <laughs>